Welcome to Coworking Out Loud, where we explore the deeper side of coworking, content, and community. I'm your host, Kat Johnson. Hey friends, in this episode of Coworking Out Loud, I'm talking with Ruben Lau from Spacefully. And Ruben is the counterweight to me when it comes to marketing, where I lean heavy into organic content, creativity, community building. Ruben is hyper-focused on measurable, data-driven digital marketing for co-working spaces. And he is a wealth of information. I can't wait for you to hear from him. And I'm excited later this month, Ruben is teaching a lab workshop on your homepage calls to action. And you'll get a little teaser in this episode. He has so many great insights and perspectives to share. So hope you enjoy. See you on the other side. Hey, Ruben, welcome to Coworking Out Loud. I'm so glad to have you here. Hey, Kat. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. I really admire you as a marketer, a fellow co-working professional, and I'm excited to kind of dig into some of the things around marketing. As you know, this show is about co-working content and community. And within that content sphere, there's a lot of marketing talk. So I'm curious, like the co-working and content piece here is what I want to dig into with you. But before we do, I'd love to hear your backstory and how you came into digital marketing, but also then moving into co-working. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a longer story, but it begins like with a family business. Uh, So my grandpa um, immigrated over to Canada and um, with my mom's help as well, uh, we started a wholesale gifts and crafts company. So I started really young there, basically like licking stamps and licking (laughs) envelopes, stuffing them. It tells you how old I am. Um, And then I was like kind of promoted to unloading like warehouse containers. So doing a lot of the picking, the packing, the shipping, et cetera. And then eventually moved into like trade shows a bit of sales and help them with um, the design of their their print catalogs and their flyers and then eventually start to dabble into the website side of things so Mm -hmm. i created like a catalog almost like an online brochure of the the products and so think of like baskets dowels teddy bears glue guns that sort of stuff like seasonal gifts so thousands of products so um yeah just to kind of get it online so more people can discover it so that was my sort of um, first introduction into website design. And really it was just like watching YouTube videos and or reading articles online. So it's great that the community is so helpful on, on that side as well. That's a huge undertaking. And I like picturing you kind of growing within a business through all the different aspects and then breaking out into your own. So what did that look like getting into digital marketing? Yeah, so I think that's where I got the first taste of web design and development and and programming. And so eventually started to um, get new clients. And I think the majority of them, or a lot of them were recommended by my mom, like a lot of friends and her, her clients and whatnot. So you could say she was probably my biggest referral source at that <laughs> time and probably my only. Um, but yeah, from there, it was really trying to grow and get more business, uh, helping other uh, business owners um, by like... I would do things like post on Craigslist, um, sort of a lot of those grassroots marketing. So magazine publications, Uh, we put little like fridge magnets on people's cars uh, during a trade show. So like the parking lot would be full of, you know, small business owners. Mm. 
go around and play that over there, which would work. And then a lot of weird things like bartering websites for beer, et cetera. It's like, uh, we'll do anything and everything at the beginning to kind of get things off and going. But um, yeah, eventually we, we got to a space where we had enough business where we were looking for an office space, like an actual you know, place to work, meet with clients, have meetings, etc. Um, so I was looking for an office space at that time, but it was really expensive. You know, as a small business owner, that's like could be a really, really large oh, yeah. expense. So I was looking and looking around locally and couldn't really find much that was sort of feasible at that time for me. But my grandpa one day, while kind of reading through his newspapers, circled this classified for an office space. And it turned out that it was like a co-working flex mm. uh, office space. So that was my first sort of venture into it. Went to tour the space. It was beautiful. Had everything and more than I could ever yep. ask for, especially when comparing with traditional lease. And so, yeah, I took the tour, signed the lease on the spot, and uh, kind of the rest is history. <laughs> and then at some point, you pivoted into or made a niche for co-working space operators. Like Spacefully is very focused on helping operators fill their spaces. So what did that look like when you realized that uh, you wanted to help these co-working spaces? Yeah, great question. So yeah, prior to that, we've been doing like web design development, SEO, SEM for a wide array of industries, anything from small mom and pop shops all the way to publicly traded companies. And so it was really interesting. I loved that time because it gave me so much like insight into different businesses and being able to engage and help with different business owners to solve different problems. Um, But we really wanted to focus in on one specific niche. And at that time we had some flexible office uh, clients and we sort of inventoried what we're doing, what we like to do, who we like to do it for, where can we help the most? And so that's where co-working surfaced up and literally we were sitting right in it and we just didn't realize it at that point. So yeah, I think that's the, the big turning point is really just trying to systematize and create processes to make our results more repeatable is where the the choosing of a niche came in, but the natural choice for that niche or niche was co-working and flexible office space for a variety of reasons. I think um, there's a lot of things that co-working touches on that I love and that I'm genuinely interested in. I think the first is just working with others, people to sort of help their businesses grow and solving those problems, as I mentioned. I think entrepreneurship has always been ingrained in me from sort of with that family and working in the family business. So um, I love learning about new businesses, big or small, doesn't really matter about the industry. Um, flexibility and freedom, that's always something that I've treasured and valued and I think pairs well with entrepreneurship as well. Just the flexibility to work around your schedule, which as you and I know, doesn't mean it means you're working less. It often means you're probably working a lot more, but at the same time, it's on your schedule and you got the freedom to choose. Um, travel is another big one as well. So um, yeah, I'm trying to make a point to do a little bit more of that digital nomad life. Mm. So being able to travel around for a month or extended amount of time. And um, uh, we're lucky that we're able to kind of take our laptop with us and still be able to get a bit of work done and still be able to touch base and do a lot of the things that we could do. Um, Obviously, that personal connection meeting with team members and clients is still important. But I love that we're able to, you know, take a week or two off and, and really enjoy ourselves while still staying in touch. And then just the last one is like lifelong learning. And I think that's a little bit harder to define, especially when you factor in all the different interests we have these days. Like if you looked at my YouTube 
subscribe lists, it would probably blow your mind in terms of the different things. Uh, Me too. Every time I I watch like a basketball dunk video, I'm like, oh, I'm going to screw up my (laughs) algorithm. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I love it. Yeah. And so you'll find like a lot of things from digital marketing to like things like woodworking to, yeah, just a variety of different um, interests that we have so much access to these days. So I think that's where co-working really intersects a lot of those various different areas. It hits on so many levels. I I agree. There's a lot there I can relate to. And I love that you know about entrepreneurship, like from the very inside out, because a lot of co-working space owner and operators are deep in that entrepreneur thing of pouring everything they've got into their space and their business. And even in the evenings and weekends, there are things to do. And um, I love that our paths crossed because we're both in marketing. We hit on different things, but I think they're very complementary. Like you're very like data-driven digital marketing. I'm like in organic content creation and there's such an interesting intersection there. And I think the goal is to do both of them well. So later this month, we have you teaching a lab workshop and we're going to go deep dive into calls to action on your homepage and your website. And I'd love to hear from you as a little warm up. What are some common mistakes? What are some things that you're finding? Because it's such a small thing. People just have schedule a tour or, you know, check your membership options or whatever their call to action is. But it's such an important piece, like that one little button or that one little link is so important. So tell me what you're what you're seeing and working on with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the button is definitely like a big portion of it. And sometimes like if you think of your website, you, you do have that book a tour button. We, but we like to also encompass the entire journey. Like what are they seeing before they get to that button? Um, what do they need to know? Um, what do you feel they would want to know, but don't realize they need to know it yet? So a lot of those questions really help to surface like what goes into our, our hypotheses to determine what experiments we should run. Um, so yeah, just kind of looking beyond that and kind of keeping in the back of our mind that not everybody understands co-working still. So when we say book a tour, it's like, what do you mean? Is that a virtual tour, an in-person tour? Is that a four-hour tour, a 30-minute tour? So just kind of <laughs> four being hour clear. tour. <laughs> I guess it's less of a common, uh, as much of a common term in, in other industries than in co-working. Like the only other tour I can think of is like going on a vacation tour or maybe like tour of a home or which would be more an open house Mm -hmm. so if it's not a very commonly utilized term and because we're in the trenches we we hear it and see it all the time but to a user that's brand new to co-working that's considering it versus maybe a traditional lease what does that mean what is the promise what is the deliverable um how long will it take for them to get the value from that they perceive that they're going to receive from doing so. So yeah, just clarity, I guess, around what the deliverables are um, makes that call to action a little bit more clear. Because I think nowadays, even more than ever, especially online, like we have a bit of hesitation to click on things, at least for me, right? Like if you see a link and you're like, oh, there's a free resource, like, is this going to be a bait and switch? Am I going to be taken to the wrong location? Yeah. Is this going to take me down a rabbit hole in the wrong direction? Yeah. So just clear, I think, is, is, is top of mind for us. It's so true. And you make such good points and the clarity and the assumptions we make about our own stuff. Like even you and I did a quick look at my website and you pointed out some things that in hindsight are so obvious, but I, I hadn't seen them. 
I didn't catch it because I've been staring at that copy and layout and everything for, you know, different iterations for years. And you pointed out some key things that I didn't see. It's like having um, the benefit of some fresh, informed, educated eyes is so valuable. So I love what you just said about the clarity before the call to action and then people not even knowing what does that mean to book a tour? It's just stuff I never, I wouldn't have thought of that. I'm excited to hear more in the workshop. And um, I know one of the things you're super focused on right now is with Google ads, which is not my specialty. So we'll have you come and do some coaching around Google ads, but tell me what you, some of the things you mentioned, I was like, I don't even know what this is. So start high level and tell me what's going on with, with Google ads and what you're working on. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Super high level. I think, um, advertising, especially within Google ads is, is going to be evolving quite rapidly. And we're already starting to see that happen. Um, I think the major driver with all of this is a bit of AI. <laughs> I know that's like a that's buzzword. Just a bit of days. AI. <laughs> yeah, but Google's really, it's, it's really interesting because before we were and still are very focused on search. So what that means um, from Google standpoint is um, whenever you perform a search for, let's say, co-working space near me, um, ads would typically appear at the very forefront. And that's sort of the primary channel. But Google also has access to a lot more inventory and a lot of different ad surfaces. Um, so an example of that could be like YouTube or Gmail or display ads or discover ads. So um, it just gives us more opportunity to be found and and to present our offering to people that could be a really good fit for co-working, but don't really know that exists. So kind of going back to my story, like I was looking for an office space, but actually co-working or flexible office space was a better or even a, a perfect fit for what I was looking for, but I didn't know to search for that term. Mm, so that's where yep. I think a lot of these data signals, audiences can really start to broadcast your message and your offering um, to people that are a perfect fit that just don't know to search for you yet. I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? Finding those people who are a perfect fit for your space, but they don't know about you yet. Um, so say a little bit more about that. Like, do you focus on local or how do you, one of the questions that comes up is like, how do you find those remote workers, those freelancers, there's those small businesses locally, like how do you go about getting in front of those people? Yeah, I think it's really about audience signals. And that's something that's a little bit newer and intermixed with these um, new technologies. And so it's really about defining who your customer is. And I think that's really the heart of being able to guide this AI, because we need to give it um, a lot of good data. But in addition to that, we want to tell it you know, who we're actually targeting. Um, maybe it's the search themes that we're, that they're using or the keywords that they're using, um, what websites they visit, what apps they use on their phone, uh, what industries they work in. Um, location is a big one, as you suggested. So they're typically still very hyper-local, especially if we're doing it for, for co-working spaces. Um, even things like, have they started a business recently? So there's a lot of signals that Google's surfacing and allowing us to tap into that we can sort of specify. 
but below that, I think there's a lot more signals than data that Google has that it doesn't necessarily allow us to target mm. specifically, but it's also able to identify. And I think that number will increase more and more as Google collects more data um, and is able to sort of mold and shape your campaign to be more and more effective. So interesting where we're going with all of this, but what you said initially is where our marketing worlds overlap 100% is that that piece of knowing who it is that you're a perfect fit for. And it feels so obvious, but I was just writing about this this morning, that as more and more co-working spaces come on the scene, things like meeting room, Wi-Fi, desks, conference, even events, they just become kind of the the um, things people assume you have. It's like, of course, you're going to have those. What is, what's on top of that? Like what actually makes it? And so getting more clarity about who your perfect fit member is. And I like to do that with a lot of humanists, like interviews and connecting and talking with people. How do you approach, like a space operator comes to you, they're like, I'm not sure who our perfect fit member is. How do you go about kind of digging into that? Yeah, a lot of that is really understanding who their current members are. I think that's a big tell in terms of who they're a good fit for. Um, obviously, if they want to pivot or adapt and adjust that, I think businesses and co-working spaces at different times of stages, I guess, of their maturity, have they also evolve too. Especially if you go from one location to two or to three, sometimes the second and third location can be quite different mm -hmm. and have a different buyer or member persona than the first. So really just being um, nimble in a sense um, not to say to not be true to you know your goal and your vision of the space but you'll find that you kind of draw the types of members and they'll all have some sort of similarities between them um, in addition to that I think just measuring sort of like going back to tracking and, and all the signals there will be sort of key identifiers that happen like what are the types of people that are booking a tour are they your ideal member um, I think a lot of those signals can then be looped back into your analytics or to Google ads to help you to go find more so I think um, that's another big area of focus of ours is too is not all leads are equal um, you might have leads that come in which are not a great fit. You mm -hmm. can just tell right off of their inquiry that it's not going to be a great fit. So how do we signal to Google that that um, is a sort of a lower quality or not a great fit lead? As opposed to somebody that's the perfect fit for your space, how can we signal to Google that that's more of what we want? Because again, it's a lot about data these days, especially when it comes to optimization of digital ads, because we have so much data that we can use and analyze that sending the right signals um, because those two leads are not the same, we want to make sure that we're classifying them as such um, in, a, in a measurable way to Google. So it can go after more of the, the better fit leads. And there are ways to do that. There are, yeah. It's still all pretty new, yeah. but for us, like if you think to um, uh, e-commerce, just to pivot a little bit, like there's a clear transaction that happens on every purchase. So there's a monetary transaction and trade. So if you sell something that's $500, it may be worth more than selling something that's $100, for example. But where it gets a little bit tricky is lead generation. Lead generation, there is no, typically there's no transaction that's taking place. So how do you value a lead that's, you want to say is $500 versus a lead that you want to say is worth a hundred. Um, so that's where it gets a little bit tricky mm -hmm. and we need to sort of artificially create that. But without that, Google sees those as both as either 500 or a hundred or whatever you declare it as. So you're not giving it as much guidance as, as you mm -hmm. could be. 
Ruben, I'd love to get your take on something, kind of the balance between paid advertising and organic content. Because one of the concerns I have is that if people are relying solely on Google ads and paid content, then as soon as they turn that off or turn it down or whatever, they're left with nothing. I always feel like people should be creating organic content uh, at the same time so that they're still building up this big content reservoir that is going to continue to serve them. I'd love to hear your take on that. How do you think about organic versus paid or organic um, working with paid? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like there's definitely uh, a huge benefit for creating content and SEO and surfacing yourself within the search engine result pages. Um, where I think the paid search really helps to facilitate is um, expedited learning, which is something that we really look at because SEO can be a very long-term play. Um, and a lot of times we can do keyword research to try and figure out which keywords to go after or which topics to write about or which topics um, have a lot of interest that may be a good fit for our member profile. But the one thing that I find with, with paid search is it's a lot quicker to learn. So um, you can figure out quite immediately what keywords are working better for you, which ones are gravitating towards your members. And you can even experiment with things like CTAs um, to, to couple that with bringing, driving the traffic to your site and then converting them. But yeah, I think with all of this new additional ad platforms, like being able to widen your funnel essentially and be able to attract more people that aren't actively searching, I think that's where paid search will become a bigger and bigger uh, part of your sort of overall holistic digital marketing strategy. But I completely un uh, agree with you, especially when it comes to search marketing. If you can get really high in the rankings, um, that definitely gives you a, a clear advantage. Um, that being said, a lot of the high intense search terms are going to be dominated by Google ads. So going back to the example of co-working space near me, if you're ranked number one in organic, so the, the free positionings or the top 10, you're often found below the fold these days. If you look on your computer, you'll see there's like three or four ads followed by Google My Business map listings, which has an ad in it, and then it's <laughs> organic. So when you think about like how many spaces or offerings or providers is one going to sift through before making a decision to tour a couple of them. Maybe it's two, three, four, maybe five at most. So you definitely want to make sure that you're up top, in my opinion, to make sure that you're considered as a space for, for that particular potential member. And how do you compete every cowork? So I'm constantly Googling co-working this, co-working that, all the things. And the first thing that comes up always forever is WeWork, right? So how do you What's your approach for small operators who have a tiny fraction of the budget that a big player has um, about finding the right keywords, finding the right things so that they actually have a chance of showing up or can can afford to pay the, the rates for showing up? Yeah, no, that's where I feel like the platform is quite smart. Like Google Ads at its heart is an auction-based platform. So that would typically mean whoever pays the most would be at the very top. So in that scenario, it sounds very um, skewed towards large organization enterprises like WeWork. That being said, there's a lot of other signals that Google Ads factors to determine your positioning. Things like click-through rate and quality score. Those are ways to actually compete 
without paying more. So you can actually achieve top positioning without bidding the highest. Um, the other thing I would say, especially for smaller operators, is making sure that your settings and geographically specifically is really tight. Like the one sort of disadvantage I feel with WeWork and these large organizations, they kind of take on this national approach. You'll see the same promotion, the same yeah. ad, the same language. It's not tailored to that specific location. So whether it be your settings or the ad copy itself, what you're presenting to the user, you have a competitive advantage of being hyper-local. Like you typically live, you work, and you operate through that particular location. So kind of tap into that um, to make it so that your ads are going to be more compelling to somebody to click on. And that will oftentimes win you a better positioning without paying as much. Love it. So smart. Ruben, if you could offer one big picture marketing tip to small co-working space operators to the indie operators what would you tell them just about everything Ooh, that's a tricky <laughs> one <laughs> i i always like to focus on sort of the user journey and if you can really and or, and or what's called like the member journey right like what is the the, the touch points that you are engaging, whether it's seeing your ad for, for the first time or seeing your organic listing for the first time or seeing your content for the first time, um, all the way up until becoming a member, trying to spot those various different opportunities um, and trying to improve those in a hopefully measurable way can make sure that you're sort of zigzagging a little bit less and hopefully going in a more direct line it'll never be sort of from you know one to right. 100 right away but the measurability part of it um which i know i talk about a lot and it's kind of like gets boring after and no that's your superpower you <laughs> but to me um like it just gives me clearer insight into what's working and what's not because we all have that gut feeling right like what if i change it from book a tour to book a 15 minute tour like we all have sort mm. of a feeling but what you know and you do you make that change potentially and you might see a tour the very next day but does that mean that it's positively impacting your your rates like you need to have that data to be statistically confident in, in your decisions as well as the outcomes um, to, to see if you want to keep that the way it is or revert back or try a different experiment. But without that data, I feel we're flying pretty blind. Yeah. Don't stop talking about measurability, Ruben. It's your superpower and it's the balance to what I do with organic and creative and community. And it's like that counterbalance. Like we also need to know what we're doing because <laughs> we can't just... <laughs> It can't, it's a balance. It's a balance. I'll just leave it there. Um, so tell me what's next for you and Spacefully. What are you all focused on? Yeah, we're still focused on the lead generation side of things, uh, mostly in the uh, Google ad side, so SEM. Um, and as you know, we couple those with our landing pages, which gives us a lot of opportunity to do some of those split testing. Um, from there, it would be SEO and web design. So those are our three core services. But the one that's sort of making the most um, impact, I feel, is still the Google Ads side, mm -hmm. just because it gets you to that very top position. So for a lot of spaces that are you know, struggling to fill their last few offices or are opening a a large location that's usually our go-to but like you said i still see a lot of value 
in SEO organic content and and getting more members that way and attracting them through different means. But especially with the opening up of these various different ad platforms, I'm just curious to see where that goes from Google's perspective and ways to kind of lift up co-working as, as a whole, because now we're surfacing up a potential co-working offerings or locations to people that may not have known about it before. Mm-hmm. And I still think that's a large number of people. Um, so I hope that helps to sort of bring up the industry as a whole. I think it's a large number of people too, Ruben. And it's good to remember that, that people still aren't familiar with the term. Um, I've been talking about it for so many years, but I bump into people all the time who are like, now what is that? Um, something you said in there that I wanted to circle back on. Oh, just the Google ads is such an important piece for co-working space operators. We talk about it like this week in the lab, we were doing a work sprint and we just had an impromptu jam session about what people are doing with Google ads in January, which is typically um, one of the peak times for new members and tours and things like that. And we got into a little bit of a dive. So I'm so glad to be collaborating with you and to have you come. I'm looking forward to your calls to action workshop in a few days later this month. And before we jump off, is there anything else we should talk about? Anything that we've skipped over? No, I really think that covered, um, yeah, everything that I want to, to talk about for now. And then, yeah, excited for the calls to action workshop as well. We can dive deep there and really go through some example case studies and scenarios. I can't wait. Thanks, Ruben. And what's the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah, really just our website, so spacefully.com. From there, if you're interested in just exploring more about how maybe digital marketing can help promote your space more to attract more members, we can always schedule a call. You can... Um, book right online through our website. Thank you, Ruben. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on and I can't wait to see you soon. Great. Thanks for having me, Kat. Thanks for listening to Coworking Out Loud. And now that you've heard from Ruben, you know what I'm talking about. Ruben's going to be teaching a workshop later this month for lab members. Membership starts at $49. It's a ridiculous value. If you jump into the community tier, you'll be blown away by the amazing indie co-working space operators in there and all the value you get. So head over to catjohnson.co to learn more about that. Hopefully I'll see you at the workshop later this month. And thanks for listening. See you next time.